Hello and welcome to Your Employment Matters. I'm Beverly Williams and I'm here to help you navigate your career. This is for anyone who's searching for their dream job or promotion, or perhaps you're just looking to hang on to the job you have. Today's work environments are multi-generational, multi-religious, multinational, multiracial, and multi-gender and multi-gender identity. Add market disruptors like Amazon and Lyft, along with the addition of AI, and it's easy to see why finding and keeping a job is such a challenge. Employment success and even employment survival depend on your ability to adapt. That's why my goal for this 30-minute podcast is to first advocate embracing change and differences, and second, to encourage you to proactively assume responsibility for your career. Get your work week off to a good start by listening to Your Employment Matters every Monday. Find out how to own your career and get the best practices for making your employment matter. You know, I'm really interested in whether or not employers are telling or training their employees about ethics. Now, let me just give you a brief background, not even a tutorial, but just a little information. Ethics usually refers to standards of right and wrong. Now, people may have different notions of what ethics are. And people have individual codes of conduct that they feel they should abide by, and that's fine. But you should know as employees or as people looking for a position, a job, hoping to become an employee, that there may be business ethics that you may be responsible for complying with. And hopefully, your employer, whoever that may be, is an ethical entity. The people that are responsible for leading your company, your employer's company, hopefully they are ethical. And depending on what you do for a living, you may have not only an employer's code of ethics, but also a professional code of ethics. I, as an attorney, am governed by the rules of professional conduct of my state. There are also rules of professional conduct promulgated by the American Bar Association. And for any company that I worked in or worked for, I would also be responsible for complying with their business ethics. So I would ask you or suggest that you look for just a, a my version of what you need to know, at least uh, it, it's not a comprehensive discussion about ethics, but it will give you an idea of where to begin. And that should be coming out on this podcast platform in the next few weeks. But today, My ethical topic will be addressed by a professional who works in an industry that has its separate 
code of conduct, ethical standards that people employed in her profession obligated to comply with. Now, just as an aside, because I don't want you to get the wrong idea, being ethical is important for several reasons. First of all, complying with ethical strictures are important for your personal brand and your reputation. And personal brand means whether it's at work or at home or with your friends, but professionally, you want to make sure that your professional brand remains beneficial to you. Being unethical is not desirable and it can limit your forward trajectory. Now, today we're going to talk to Debbie Peterson, who is a former public servant, a former mayor of a municipality in California, and now is in real estate. Debbie, thank you so much for joining us today, and I can't wait for you to tell our listeners about your employment journey and how you view ethics. Thank you, Beverly. I, I'm excited to do this because I've always been a businesswoman and um, fascinated by what you're doing and love to talk about business. Now, you held a public office at one time, but before you share your experience in that role, why don't you tell us how you got there? Sure. I, I'm an entrepreneur. I've launched several businesses and run several companies um, over the last 40 years or so, and also consulted for several redevelopment agencies with new business startups. And I have a degree in communication. When I was asked to run for office by neighbors, I realized that those experiences over the years could be really helpful to my community and so I initially was appointed as a planning commissioner. I worked my way up through the system, which is something I've always advocated and always done, and went from planning commissioner to being an elected city council member. And from there, I became, I was elected the first and only to date directly elected female mayor of my city. I am a real estate broker. That's how I make my living now. And we do have to take ethics tests every year, I believe. And as the mayor of my city, local elected representatives also had to take the ethical exams every couple of years. And that those are new requirements. I think, in fact, they're legal requirements from the state of California. And there were a couple of things that, as real estate brokers and as a public servant, a couple of really quick rules of thumb that I found helpful. As a real estate broker, the rule is, if in doubt, don't. And that's helpful to remember. If in doubt, don't. And as a public servant, our legal advisors would say to us, if it doesn't pass the smell test, there's a problem. And both of those have been very helpful to me in, in understanding ethics, because it's not just about the law. Ethics may or may involve things that are legal or illegal, but it's really about partly about not getting in court, but also about your reputation, because your reputation is really your finest asset. And it's very important to protect that. No, you're absolutely right. For me as an attorney, I have a similar standard. 
if there's a debt, if I don't know for sure, if there's any ambiguity, I disclose. That means I'm going to tell you what's going on, whether I have to or not, if I'm not sure. You know, because sometimes it, it, they're, they're gray areas and it's not always clear. It's not always a bright line of what should be done, but where there's doubt, where there's ambiguity, I always come down on disclosure. Yeah. And for us, it is, the question is, is it material? Well, who knows? Because it may be material to you. It may be important to you, but it may not matter to me. So as you say, better to disclose. And certainly as real estate brokers, we are really keen and spend a lot of time on that. And rather than have an arbitration, an arbitrator or a judge make that determination and the outcome could be different. Yeah. Different people will have different opinions about what should be done and what shouldn't be done. But where there are especially written codes of conduct, you comply with them. And where there's ambiguity, where there are gray areas, you can seek um, an expert opinion, but if, to the extent that you as a realtor would be held responsible for whatever, whatever course you take, you want to make sure that you're protected. And your clients are protected because the yes. actions I take are considered the actions of my clients because I'm representing them. So I'm not only protecting myself, but I'm protecting their interests, which in California, I have a legal obligation to do. Well, and, and the other thing you said about your reputation, you can't buy and sell the value of a pristine, of a solid, of a positive reputation. Once it's gone, it's so difficult to rehabilitate your reputation. So you don't want to be cavalier about how you go about your business. Let's yeah. put it that way. That's a really good way of putting it. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I want to um, deviate a little bit from this because there's something that I've come across a great deal in institutions, whether they're government or whether they're business, more so in government. Um, but I don't want to downplay the the whole side of white white collar crime in institutions, and and that is what I call weasel words. And weasel words is a phrase that uh, Teddy Roosevelt used way back in I think 1916 in a speech. But it's basically the ways nowadays, it's the ways in which we use words to be deceptive or to change people's perception of things. And it really is important. The community I live in, when I became mayor, I discovered rampant corruption that I had no idea was there, at least not when I started. I began to hear about it. And I asked my attorney at one point, how does this happen? And his response was, we euphemize things. We use words that clean things up that aren't clean. And when we do that, 
we make it okay when it's not okay. And sometimes doing that using euphemisms, sometimes it's a wise thing. Sometimes you want to have a conversation without offending someone, or you want to have a conversation to have someone reveal something. And so you don't start in with the blame. And so you can euphemize things. And it can be a good communications tool. However, often it's not. Often, for instance, say in the press, here's another way of doing it. We'll say, many people think, researchers think, scientists have proven. And that really is just BS because you're not saying who are the scientists, who are the researchers, who are the people. You're just trying to sound authoritative or make a point. And that's, that lacks credibility and it's misleading. So there are a lot of things like that in government. One of the terms, I mean, sorry, in business, one of the terms I hear is is downsizing. And what it really means is firing people or laying people off. And businesses have to downsize. And these terms in many ways can be helpful. But on the other hand, they can hide the fact that you're decimating a community. No, I I think that first in my opinion, people have to be more vigilant and more better informed to the extent that that's possible. And the internet makes it possible. But unfortunately, the internet has been used as a vehicle for, for spreading misinformation. Yes. Not only the internet, but social media. So a lot of times people don't know what to believe. But as a mayor, As a public official, the code of conduct and the obligation or the responsibility is even more significant because you're using, you're responsible for public funds. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that means we do need the public to be vigilant and pay attention, write herd on us, make sure we're doing it right. Even if it's not something corrupt, make sure that we're actually representing them and governing in a way, making local choices, especially in ways that uh, support the communities and are are what they wanted, that we're fulfilling our job obligation. And I think, yes, that, you know, the U.S. Constitution, when you read it, it, it brings tears to my eyes. As I began to really look at what it says, it's a great guideline for how to do things right. And yes, many times, the way it's gone wrong in politics is this whole thing of euphemisms again, where where if someone does something unethical or illegal, the press who may like them because of their political party or for whatever reason, maybe they're even involved in in something right. corrupt, the press will say, instead of saying the politician told a lie, they'll say, well, you know, it's politics as usual. And yeah. when we do that, we make something that should not happen, we make it okay, and it continues to happen. And if we don't face it, if we don't tell the truth, then we can't fix what's wrong. No, you know, ethical standards are significant because it, you know, I've heard this word before, guardrails, but that's mm, what ethical good. standards yeah. are. They're guardrails for the conduct of business, of the way we go about our daily life. I love that. How how we function or how I desire to function in the world. 
you know, it brings to mind words like integrity and honesty. And I think that most people strive to be honest and people of integrity, but there are schemers and scammers yes. that engage in what I call skullduggery on a daily, uh, on a daily basis. Yep. And if but we don't you know, call it when we see it, if we don't say what it is, call it when we see it, they continue and they get better and better and better at the skullduggery. It's up to us to make sure that they don't. That's true. You're absolutely right. We have to call it out. And when people respond negatively to our calling it out, we have to stand firm. Yes. Well, that's we the first, when they respond negatively, that's the first clue that there's something wrong. And in business, if you see a problem, you don't have to start as a whistleblower. You can start by going up the line and and speaking your truth and explaining issues. And if you are working for a company that's ethical or a boss who's ethical, they will have the emotional maturity to say, you know what, you're right. Or we need to look at that and then really look at it and listen. My mantra is pay attention to what they say, but then watch what they do. <laughs> yeah. And what they do is more important than what they say. Yes. Yes. Actions are far more important and people are far more influenced by the words. And, you know, I came across a really interesting study and I can send you the information on it because it might be helpful to people looking at ethics. A study through the English courts. And so we're talking about language from uh, the 1600s through the 1900s. And when they came across stories about murders, if the wording in the case was someone was killed, there were far less prosecutions for murder than if the wording in the case was they murdered someone. Mm. And it's such a simple linguistic twist, but it, it really illustrates the importance of telling the truth, saying it right, saying it straight. Because when we don't, it really does make a difference. The research shows that it really does influence the way people think. And the social position of the people that are being spoken of probably had a lot to do with it. Oh, sure. We know that. Yeah. If you say a Black person perpetrated a crime, it creates far more uh, social sure. negative response than if you said, if you said nothing at all. No, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. Now, Debbie, you're also an author. Why don't you tell us about your book? Well, I when I became mayor, as I said, I found incredible corruption. And I wrote a book about it because it became the last thing I could do to, to try to fix it. And I worked with a whole group of really disparate, diverse citizens from every political party and different races and different points of view and different uh, white collar, blue collar, but they all had one thing in common and nothing else mattered. And that was making sure that we had integrity in our government, that we were well represented, that the corruption was rooted out. And so I wrote the book to help people be alert to, as you said, to be vigilant. I also wrote it because I want to show people how to be vigilant. And the book is called The Happiest Corruption, Sleaze, Lies, and Suicide in a California Beach Town. 
and it is available. It will be available. It's not quite out yet, but um, it will be available on my website, debbiepeterson.com, which is also not out yet. <laughs> but if you wanted to reach me on any of these matters, you could reach me at Debbie Peterson, D E B B I E P E T E R S O N 805 at gmail.com. Right. And you had, don't you have a LinkedIn page? I do have a LinkedIn page. And in fact, that would be the better way to get to me because. Yeah, the website's not ready yet. So yeah, contact me on LinkedIn. I'm Debbie Peterson, and I, I'm up there as both a former mayor and as a real estate broker. You'll find me that way. Wonderful. So now, how do we end this? What advice would you give perhaps a person who hasn't been in the workplace for a while for whatever reason? Maybe they're just a, a, new, a recent graduate. Maybe they're a mother or a father returning to work after an absence. What advice would you give them about ethics as they return to work or as they begin to work? You know, I think we've covered a lot of that. But if I could just put on my entrepreneur's hat, I think the single most important thing is a can-do attitude. And attitude is everything. And I suppose that applies to ethics too. your attitude to ethics and your willingness to be ethical and demand ethical behavior and treatment. But the can do the attitude and the person who wants it most gets it, whether they're the crook or the good guy. All of those things are really, really important and have huge influence, not only on your customers and your clients, but they influence your employer as well and how, how well you do and how many pay raises you can qualify for? Well, you know, you mentioned a word that I don't know whether everyone is familiar with you. You said whistleblower. And I know that there are, there's legislation that protects whistleblowers under many circumstances. Can you explain what a whistleblower is? A whistleblower is someone who usually has tried through a number of means to correct usually a gross misbehavior in an organization. So it may be sexual harassment, uh, as in the hashtag Me Too movement. Oh, it could be anything. It could be racism. It could be stealing. It could be any kind of corruption. And it could be stealing from your employers or it could be stealing from the public, your clients or from the government. And whistleblowers usually will have tried very hard for a long time to stop whatever that negative behavior is. And when they reach a stage that they can't, often they will have to go to their attorney or they'll have to go public or they'll have to resign. Or as I did, they might have to write a book. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. I mean, you know, I know here in, in the state I live in, the standard is, did you reasonably believe that there was something inappropriate going on? That's really good. Yes. Your belief must be reasonable. I mean, you can't just say, I don't like that person. I know they did such and such and so and so, and and they're just a bad actor, and they're stealing money from the company. That's not enough. Right. And I think what happens in California now is there are actually, uh, I don't know too much about it, but there are actually organizations that you can go to that can investigate and verify that are independent. We had a situation with a mayor who sexually harassed three female employees. 
And what happened is, and this was many years ago, but basically what happened is the three female employees lost their jobs. The mayor stayed until years later, he went to work for another county and he was working with much more sophisticated young women, younger young women who reported him. And it went forward to one of these organizations that evaluated it. And they said, yes, it was a credible complaint. And he ended up resigning. So thankfully, he had a hashtag Me Too moment. Things have changed. They really have changed. This is a different environment. Previous behavior that was, if not condoned or ignored, turned a blind eye to, that's no longer the case. Yes. Yes, I'm Debbie. Yeah. Thank you so much for taking your time to be with us today. I I so enjoyed this. It was so informative. Well, thank you for doing what you're doing. I'm I'm really impressed that you're providing this kind of information at almost no cost to people who are really seeking to be good in the workplace. Well, listen, why don't we tell people how to find your book again? and you so they'll know how to reach you. Well, thank you for the LinkedIn suggestion. LinkedIn really is the best place to find me right now. And I will have information up there when the book is published. I'm expecting it to be out at the end of May. And I am Debbie Peterson, D-E-B-B-I-E-P-E-T-E-R-S-O-N. Okay, Debbie. And for those who are so inclined, please consider purchasing my book, your GPS to Employment Success, How to Find and Succeed in the Right Job, which is available on Amazon, barnesandnoble.com, and independent bookstores. And thank you for listening. Until next time. Thanks for listening to Your Employment Matters with Beverly Williams. If you found this podcast helpful, please subscribe and leave a review. I truly appreciate your support and that helps other listeners find the podcast. If you have a comment, question, or suggestion, you can reach me at bawilliams at youremploymentmatters.com. My book, Get the Job Done, is available on amazon.com and barnesandnoble.com. Please join me again next week. Until then, remember to embrace change and differences. This podcast is part of the Sound Advice FM network. Sound Advice FM, women's voices amplified.